And now a word from our sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. Well, first of all, it's free. And who doesn't love free? There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And that way we can get closer to the bag. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you for listening. Hey, 200, 200. days to enjoy it and then just getting it and it's brick cold feeling like it was back at the beginning of the fall and winter memorial day weekend the unofficial beginning of summer so for all of the vets all of the people that put in time definitely appreciate your service we honor your service that you put in just recently through the research of family lineage i just found out that i had a grandfather that served in the military Mm -hmm. and that was pretty cool just to find out and learn about so just by podcasting and learning more about family lineage talking more about reparations talking just learning more about how those things affected our families it was pretty cool to learn that Mm -hmm. so definitely just brought that up to say r.i.p to the soldiers that We've lost during their service, post-service, the families that people, families also experience that loss as well, in addition to the person that was lost. So originally, before it was called Memorial Day, it was called Decoration Day. And that was something that was started by African-Americans. That really, in a way, made this one of the first Memorial Day weekends that I really took a lot more pride in because before I always felt that I didn't have those direct connections, but learning more about the origins of it being an African-American to the day was even starting, like who started celebrating this day just in honor of those soldiers, you know, those African-American soldiers that fought in the war. And you know, the term, we, we know who we're talking about, you know, those whether it's foundational Black Americans, ADOS, descendants of American slavery, there's definitely a large amount of reverence and honor paid to you know, our ancestors that really did come the way and just paved that way for us. Mm-hmm. Before this year, I didn't even think I had anybody in my family that, that I knew of, at least that you know, served in the military, so hit home. 
hit home a little closer this year. My brother reminded me that our uncle was actually in the army, um, as was an uncle-in-law, one of my um, aunt's husbands also served, so. And then just, you know, like you said, learning that fact that, you know, Memorial Day originated from us. And that post on social media has been blowing up, so people have been showing it love. We're just starting to learn more about Reels, so we put it up on a Reel of our Instagram, Ali Family ENT. The post has been blowing up, low-key kind of going viral, so... You know, I think it's nothing that we did. It's just nice to see that a lot more people are learning about our people and really just learning more about the history of our people. So to be able to put something out there that's trending for that reason felt really good to see as well. So we definitely look at social media as a way just to highlight what it is that we're doing here. So whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Clubhouse fan base, just all of those platforms just connect in a different way to just create more digital real estate that allows us to share, you know, share our message more with other people. So it's new communities all across that are being brought together. And the community on Twitter is different than the community on TikTok. And the community on TikTok is different than the community on Fanbase. And the community on Clubhouse I do feel like Clubhouse is a big mix of a lot of those communities, but, oh man, I almost forgot. Between now, between when you're seeing this and the last time that you saw our last video, we reached 200 subscribers. We did. So, you know, little shout out. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you to our 200 subscribers plus it's actually been growing pretty rapidly. So we, the last episode that we did, we just hit, like we were on the, we were on the precipice of 200. We were right there. Some of you even mentioned it in the comments saying, you know, I see you, you're going. That 200 celebration is coming close and we just hit it. So, you know, hey, 200, 200. 200, hey, yeah. you know. <laughs> so also coming soon, 300. The next video you see, we'll see. It depends how much love you all show us, how much these videos are picking up. I feel like you, the YouTube algorithm is going in our favor. And I also just feel like, like we mentioned, those communities that we're a part of, we're really starting to build some really strong connections in those communities. And just people are learning more about us and just supporting because they're learning more about us. Mm -hmm. So that's really interesting. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited about that. We're over 250 right now. Definitely loving the growth that we're seeing. And if within the next week or two, that number goes to 300, you will get another celebration from us. So right now it's the 200 celebration. That's specifically for my YouTube people, the community that we really are seeing us the most. We do have the people that are listening to us. So y'all are just going to have to hear that. Mm -hmm. And hopefully through the audio, you can see the excitement on our faces. But if you're watching on YouTube, 
you definitely can see that we are really excited about reaching that moment and seeing the levels that are coming up next. A lot of times it's easy just to reach the thousand point and then celebrate because, okay, right, then that's like the magical number needed for monetization. But I've really enjoyed the road and just like the grind of getting from 145 to 198 and then just the grind of getting from 198 over to 200. But that jump from 200 to where we're at now has come way faster. Like really all because of you all, um, like I said, people that are really just learning more about how we connect with each other. People like the concept of the podcast and want to learn more about it, want to watch. There is definitely a resurgence of strong masculine energy. Brother Kwame Brown, man, since we're giving them out, hey, salute to you, Brother Kwame Brown. But they don't understand. They think men are just this one thing and we got to be perfect, but we... It's a bunch of different ranges of men. So that's why I'm trying to bring people together. So some people are going to wear ties and, and some people going to fix on tractors and, and, and some people going to farm. Some It's different forms of men and we should all be respected. So. I think that energy sometimes rubs people the wrong way. I've been just watching and man, I've been rooting for him and I will continue to support and root what he's doing. He did a recent conversation with Judge Joe Brown well, welcome, welcome. Well, we're going to get right into it. I mean, I don't know if you've been uh, abreast to what's going on with me. I uh, started with a little misunderstanding with a former teammate and then a, a peer that I don't know uh, really that good with Matt Barnes. I call him Becky with the good hair. But uh, he invited me to his man parts after a, a simple disagreement that I tried to get them to correct behind the scenes. But you know, if you understand how these gentlemen think, they're a little bit immature. So I brought uh, you on. You want to put childish? Yeah. <laughs> so I call them the go along, get along game. Okay, so rewind. Kwame Brown, former NBA player, number one draft pick of the Washington Wizards when Michael Jordan was with the Wizards. I remember at the end of his career, he played at the Lakers. He was playing with Kobe. He had different teams that he played for, different teammates that he played with. Tommy Brown was picked a few years before LeBron was picked. And there's been other number one picks. Even if you talk about Jordan, Jordan wasn't even a number one pick. Being picked number one doesn't always guarantee that you're going to be the best player that everybody needs you to be. It's really hit and miss. There's some players that get picked number one and you never hear from again. And he was successful. He was able to have a 13-year career in the NBA that its average shelf life of an athlete is less than five years. So to that alone, that's a success. Over the last 18 years, Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, a handful of other always just refer to him as Kwame Brown. They would say like Kwame Bus, or, you know, he's a bust or he's the worst pick or they're just like going in on him hard consistently. And Enough is enough. Like a man can only take so much. And even during that time when he was playing, he never said anything. He just took it. He kept playing. And now that he's not playing, there's an additional level of disrespect that was added on 
by the former players, teammates of his sports anchors. All of that just got him to the point where he's like, I need to control this narrative. I need to speak on the truth because they're not telling the truth. They're not giving you the whole picture on who I am. So he actually has a YouTube channel called Kwame's Bus Life. Kind of taking a fun poke at the people that have been calling him a bus for all these years. And he's showing you like, you know, you all have been calling me a bus. I'm gonna show you what this bus is about. He started to talk more about the people that were calling him out, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. Specifically, they have a podcast called All The Smoke Podcast. And respectfully, neither one of those two players are going to be Hall of Fame players. Those weren't all-star players. Those players were role players or glue guys, you know, people that are good for team chemistry, but never guys that carry the team. So for them to be down in him is almost laughable. And they were doing it just for clout. Like they have a podcast that they're gonna try to say whatever or do whatever to get people to watch them or listen to them. They're on a network that's co-owned and operated through iHeartMedia and Charlemagne the God. I've been uh, docs like no other. Um, my family history has come out on The Breakfast Club. Um, Jamel Hill has come out and spoken about me. Uh, and then tried to have plausible deniability saying she was talking about a game. Um, just Stephen A. Smith saying a narrative that he wanted to say. And then now we have Dr. Boyce Watkins who inserted himself into it. So well, is son, there a go along, get along gang or no? Son, when you get start trending, you start getting attention paid to you. And mm -hmm. when we, in my generation, we'd say when somebody's half-stepping, they try to slow everybody down and put concrete out there for them to get mired in when the concrete hasn't set. He's not only defending people that have been talking about him as a basketball player, he's now having to defend himself against people that are talking about him and his family. So he really just has gone on the offensive to start talking about facts and to talk about people within the media that are purposely trying to bring down the black community and people that whose interest is to really just get paid. I called them the go along, get along gang. So there's people in that go along, get along gang that all they're gonna do is just talk about things that are gonna help get clicks and get likes and help people watch what they're doing, but they're not doing anything that's bringing anything positive to our community. And they've been doing this for years. On one level, people think that inserting themselves into it is going to help them because they're also part of the go along, get along gang, or they're, they're trying to chase clout. But at the same time, there's a deeper level to this of what's being shared that people don't get. They think it's just about the views and the clicks, but this man is displaying real masculinity. He's shown what it looks like for a black man to take lead and to, for a black man to be in control of his own narrative. And I love that. Like, I think that it's something that's needed. And I think that's going to inspire a lot more men to stop doing just what they feel like is going to get them attention and to start really doing more of what's needed. So I think that's what we do. You know, I think we talk a lot about things that People might be talking about, but we give it a different perspective. We really 
try to keep an elevated level of consciousness and Kwame's done the same thing. He's really smart. He can communicate with anyone. He's using some of the language that he's using because that's the language that he knows is going to connect with the people that he needs to reach. And he's connecting with them on that level. This is a really great example of just how they handle a bully. He showed two different ways of doing it. He put up with it for years and he did nothing. You know, he tried to just play through it. Even he said, it, you know, if people are going to talk about him as a basketball player, that's pretty much fair ground. Mm -hmm. the, the talk about basketball isn't the talk that started this, but he addressed the bullies. Like he is verbally, it's, it's like in school. If you have a, a bully that's been picking on you, picking on you, y'all have been in the same school for years. If you just keep saying nothing, that bully's gonna keep picking on you. At some point, you have to stand up for yourself and verbally speak and say whatever it is that you need to address directly with that bully. And then that person realizes, hey, hold on. Okay, uh, we don't need to mess with this person no more. Mm -hmm. this, this person, okay, we're gonna leave him alone. And he pretty much gave them a verbal whooping. <laughs> He's not trying to get physical with anyone. He hasn't threatened any type of harm or violence to anyone. But verbally, he is beating these people on a debate level because he's bringing the facts. That's something that more people can learn from of just somebody's bullying you and you respond and this is, hey, you, you can't treat me this way. I'm not gonna take this and I'm gonna stand up for myself every single time you try to continue to bully me until you back down. Mm -hmm. And I think those people back down, I don't think that a lot of the people that were saying things are still saying things. It feels like a lot of them have fallen back mm -hmm. because they're just so used to being able to say things without anyone checking them. Just because a lot of times that type of drama sells. A lot of times there's people that are invested in that type of entertainment being pushed corporately behind the scenes, especially to the black community for us to see other people consistently tearing us down and to see other people consistently, specifically other black men being the people tearing down another black man. So to see other black men start to huddle around them and support them, that's been really nice to see. I appreciate you coming on my platform, but I also want to ask, and I'm definitely coming on yours, but I want to ask you, uh, coming from an elder to a young buck, what would uh, your advice be to young uh, males, young men and women coming up, trying to figure this thing out that's trying to do it the right way and trying to get married? Very briefly. Okay. Where I am to where you are seems like two years ago. Mm -hmm. The older you get, the smaller percentage of your life a year is. So when you get 70, 73, 74, 70, Five, every year is just one seventieth of your life. When you're 30, it's one thirtieth. When you're two, three, four, it's a big percentage. Mm -hmm. Time passes very quickly. Mm -hmm. And in your own mind's eye, you never get past where you are right now. Mm -hmm. And you got to look at yourself in a mirror to realize how old you have gotten. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to deal with yourself. Now, 
I would suggest to you to keep doing what you're doing and any other young man out there, white, black, brown, red, yellow, be able to look in a mirror and say to yourself, I acted like a man. I acted like I was supposed to have yesterday. Mm -hmm. I acted like a man. I'm going to act like a man today while you're shaving, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm going to have to uphold. Now, mm -hmm. uphold, you have to get your shit together. That means you have to commit yourself to the task of working. It's like nothing comes easy. If you have a talent, that's great. But that talent might change because you get older. Like you, hell of a basketball player. I understand got first round drafts straight out of high school. That's mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. But, you know. I know Magic Johnson personally. I've known his family for 35 years. Mm -hmm. I met Michael Jordan, uh, met some other people, Penny Hardaway. I was on his board of directors for his charity foundation. The bottom line is, is focus because what you do at an early age, you're not going to be able to do later. And what you can do later is your labor, your talent, physically evaporates but your acumen your skill your mind can increase so keep your mind focused on an objective have a cause have a purpose and if you have a purpose your life is a lot easier because you can stick to it where you can say i made it rough on myself but it's a matter of principle Mm -hmm. A lot of people compromise because they say you got to do what you got to do to get somewhere. But no, you got to do what you're supposed to do. And if you do what you're supposed to do, maybe what's going on is there's something to develop that's developing where only a person with your credibility can deal with it. Mm -hmm. Now, you see, young brother, here's one thing that I'm going to mentor you. You've got my number use it frequently because here's the deal my slogan is protecting womanhood and promoting manhood and to promote manhood you promote it in yourself and your peers but you have to bring up in school young men so they can take over when you're too old to do it or when your ass dies mm -hmm. and the interesting thing is i've been near death at least once or twice and when you can say, yeah, I upheld, you don't worry about whether you're going to heaven or hell. You don't care because you did what you were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Focus on that and keep your eye on the goal. What is your purpose? Our mm -hmm. people need leadership. We need leadership. We need direction. So spend your time finding out everything you can about everything. Get all the knowledge you can on everybody because when you know what people are about, even if you got misconceptions, you can investigate further to see what the truth is. You'll see where somebody is coming from and if you're really doing something and they're trying to trap you or ruin you, you can lay landmines so they'll step on them before they get to you and blow themselves up. Mm -hmm. See, you're talking good stuff and you are sincere about what you're doing is manhood. That is the most important thing. Remember, people look up to you 
And what you can do is use your forum like this to start jacking these fools around and embarrassing them. So you got somebody like me watching your six because ain't nobody can do shit to me. I got my money. I'm retired, damn it. I'm going to make some more. I appreciate that. To me, that just showed the way that you're supposed to reach out to somebody. It doesn't have to be on these apps, on the social media. You said, yeah, my number, you can call me. So just like even that level of communication just shows that there are people out here that do value manhood and just value communication and value honesty. For me, it made me check some of the things that I was listening to because there are those people that will give you those sprinkle, you know, that's like, <laughs> that's that mama's cooking. I had, I had to do it one time. You know, there's those people that will sprinkle in some of that truth, but then they'll be giving you a lot of lies and they'll be giving you a lot of negativity and things that are anti against what you believe, but they'll sprinkle in some of that truth. So you feel like, okay, this person's not all the way bad. So for me, I had to, I, I honestly, I had to unsubscribe from the Breakfast Club because the Breakfast Club was a place that I've seen problematic things on that, on their shows before. You know, I know that they really popularize dysfunctional black culture, but then every once in a while you'll see a Dr. Claude Anderson on, or you'll see uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan on, or you'll see a Dr. Umar on their show. So, or Dick Gregory before he passed. But then that's not the majority. That's like more of the minority. A lot of their show is, you know, rumors, just is entertainment in there. You know, it's it's combination of iHeartRadio and just different platforms that aren't necessarily invested in seeing healthy, whole black culture it made it more problematic for me to support it and i had to realize like they're not the only people interviewing these people like there's other people interviewing these people so i can just watch somebody else that actually is respecting people on an everyday basis and i'll take my support somewhere else i unsubscribed from dr boyce watkins a little while ago when he was getting involved in the watt business too much um I didn't subscribe from the Breakfast Club. I think those are the only two people that I was connected with that he had um, called out recently. I've been stopped watching Stephen A. Smith. I basically stopped watching Skip and Shannon. I watch some quotes for Shannon from time to time, but Skip is off more than he's on, so I can't really mess with that show too much anyways. We've talked about DMX a few episodes and just what his mark left on the hip-hop community how he had an opportunity to do verses mm -hmm. and a dmx album was post posthumously just put out through his label rough riders def jam and swiss beats has really been the front man doing the interviews really talking about like trying like hyping up verses but also hyping up the fact that dmx that's the album that he was working on while he was still alive. I haven't listened to the whole album, but the songs that I've been able to listen to, you can tell his energy was hungry. Like he sounds like you even made a comment. You had said like, it sounded like 
like old DMX. Like he's just like, is that like an old DMX song? Like his his energy was hungry on that song. Like the first the first song on the album where it's like that's like that's my dog, yeah, that's my dog. Like he he sounded like super hungry on that. So just the way that album set off the tone really just like put you in a place where you knew like he was whether he was alive or not, this was like this was the energy that he was coming with. Cause he he worked on a lot of a large amount of this album when he was still alive. So I think for me it's tough to listen to it. I haven't been able to get through the whole thing. I think it's really hard. If you're really a fan of this person and you really like mess with this person's music when they were alive, it's not the easiest to just listen to it after they're gone. So yeah, those, um, I probably will not listen to the whole DMX album. I probably won't. I still haven't listened to the whole Pop Smoke album. So I know, you know, if, if it's on, if it's like verses, you know, like they played it on verses. Like I heard it there a couple of songs, actually. It's like, okay, you know, this is, this is fire. But to just sit and listen to it, I'm, I'm not ready to listen to it yet. I'm streaming it. So I <laughs> So I did, I did support it through the streams. I, I made sure that it was streamed through Spotify, uh, but I just couldn't listen to it. It's just too close. And I guess just to bring it up, you can even see it on Swiss Beast's face when he was doing his performances and even before the performances, while he was doing the interviews leading up to the performances, you can see it on his face. Like he was promoting it because he had to, you know, because this is something that was important to, you know, one of his one of his best friends. But you could see like he was hurting. So it, it was I think the verses was just nice for everyone to have that outlet of that celebration. It was air quotes a rematch between Timbaland and Swiss Beats. Of course, they started the whole versus franchise. And now it's been about a year since that first verses between Swiss Beats and Timbaland happened. So this is sort of their anniversary. And they had it in Miami at the famous nightclub Live. Live on Sunday. A few celebrities were in the audience and it was just a concert. Basically, they were up on stage. They each had their DJs behind them. So that was fun to see. We haven't seen a live concert in a while. So the energy took a little bit for them to get to 100. They started on time, Swiss Beats, Timberland, this is Marquee, this is Billboard. Take Verses away, these are two outstanding producers who have their DNA all in R&B, pop, hip hop. So you just add that, then you add the platform of Verses. People probably realizing that they're gonna get some media exposure by being on TV, being there in the crowd. I would have thought from the very beginning, they would have had their energy up, but it's up to the performer as well to make sure that the crowd is right. And they got them there. It took the DJ and a few rounds to get them where they needed to be, but they got right. I think Swiss referred to it as the matrix. I think he said people have been Quarantine too long, like people have been in front of their phone too long. It's like a reintroduction of how to interact in person. I think we were kind of getting there before that. And well, um, what year was that that we went to the Drake and Migos 
concert. 2018? So it was kind of already there then. Because, yes, like, we were all full in the stadium. But there were a lot of phones out. I was one of those people. I had my phone out. And I feel like I was there in the moment. But I do feel like I was also recording a lot. And then even during the summer, we went to a few concerts that summer. Mm -hmm. And same thing, like, I felt like I had my phone out for every performance. Yeah, I think it's normal for people to have their phones out at concerts. Beyonce has a lot of famous takes of telling the audience, hey, I'm right here with you. Put your phone down and enjoy the show. I do agree with that point that Swiss was making, like, I don't know if it's a good normal that everybody's so used to having the phones out more than just being there for the memory. Like, I think everybody's looking for that moment, mm -hmm. but I think when it comes to the memory of it, I do think it's different between like, yeah, you can, you know, you can look at the phone and say, oh yeah, you know, I have it on my phone. But then when you go and think back about it, you'll be like, oh yeah, I had a good time. You know, I remember this about it. And some of those memories might not click with everything that happened because you might have been too focused on the phone. It's a delicate balance of being able to be in that moment. We already know it's being recorded. So it's on Versus, it's on Instagram. They do the actual official replay on an app called Fight. Either way, the person who's there is gonna be able to see it. And it's not like they're recording themselves with the person like they're not getting a picture with the person they're just recording the actual event so the event's gonna be recorded already that's like it's like them telling you like we're already taking care of that like we're recording it for you you're gonna have no problem being able to see this just relax dance have fun have a drink be in the moment just zone out you know zone 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 <laughs> i had to throw in a little zone 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 so this was killing me with that zone 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 <laughs> but yeah, I feel like you just have to be able to just sometimes when you know like all of that other stuff is happening, just be able to be there because all of those things, they're recorded and then they get put out and you know you were there. So it's not like you have to prove it to anybody, but those social media, different communities, that is a big part of those communities is having that audio or visual content to show that you were there. So maybe it's people trying to catch a viral moment that might get edited out of the final package. Yeah, it's it's almost getting out of control, not just at events, but people have their phones out when they're at dinner with their friends or loved ones. And just the issue is just not being in the moment, just having this device as time goes on, people are detaching from what's real, using these devices or these apps to connect. We were talking about these concerts instead of, you know, folks just enjoying the show. They're worried about capturing the moment. And I feel like, like you, just like you were saying, more thought is going into, oh, let me make sure I get this on my phone then like, oh, wow, let me feel this song and experience the energy of the performers and have it take me back to memory lane and get deep into thought while there. The performance is not being enjoyed so much as the ability to 
capture the performances being enjoyed? I mean, I feel that. I, I honestly can relate to that on the last thing that we went to. We went to the community event. They had performers, they had people there. And because of the space that we're in, I wasn't there to be in a position where I could enjoy or, you know, they had musical performances, they had people speaking. And before, I would have been somebody that was just going there to just have the look or just kind of enjoy. But now because we're in the media, now I'm there looking for maybe there's an opportunity to get an interview with someone or I want to get this angle so I can get this for some B-roll footage or, oh, we're vlogging. So I want to make sure that all of this is part of the vlogging experience. So I think for us, that's it. And maybe because it's called social media, maybe more people feel like they're now part of the media. Isaac Hayes III has a saying where he says that everyone's a content creator because whatever it is that we're putting on these platforms is a form of content. It is true. Even if it's a picture of what you ate, that's content. And they're on some line of somewhere someone could potentially get monetized off of that picture of what you ate. And it could look great or it could look like trash, but either way, once you take that picture and then put it out there, it's being put out to a place where it's now content and something that's gonna be put out there for other people to engage with. So maybe partially, People feel like they're part of the media. Maybe people are looking for their 15 minutes. Maybe people are finding a way to monetize, but it's not just pure fandom. It's not people that are there just to hear the artist or the, the musical performer and just directly just enjoy that. Like I feel like the amount of people that are there just for that is shrinking very drastically and the people that are now part of the media or content creators or influencers, I feel like those numbers are growing at an all-time high right now. There's very few people that aren't on some form of that virtual world, whether it's audio or, or visual. For the people who are on social media, everybody has at least one app that they provide much of their content to and they have viewers, whether that's just their friends list or their family or people that they might not know. A lot of people just want to be able to feed that stream. And sometimes it could be keeping up with a facade because we mentioned taking pictures of outfits that you're trying on. Look at this lifestyle, it's cool. I'm having fun over here, see me doing my everyday things in life. And oh, I went to this concert. I'm cool. A lot of times it's just people, their thoughts are so invested in how other people might think of them. Cool is important. Mm -hmm. Like people want to be cool. I want to be cool. You know, I want to be associated with things that are cool. So I can understand that part. That makes sense. At some point in time, people started to feel feelings of depression when being on Facebook. People feeling like they're not connecting with other people the way that they expected to or that they wanted to. 
a feeling sort of some level of rejection from others. I only got X amount of likes on, on my photo. Only one comment. It really does affect people, how people are using social media to connect with other people and they're feeling like, oh, I'm not getting as much of a connection as I want to have. People are feeling sad or anxious. I know people get a lot of added anxiety from, from that as well, in addition to just feeling sad. Like, even before the post goes out, there's a lot of anxiety around, like, oh, you know, that last post didn't do too well. Like, there's a lot of thought that goes into, okay, what am I, like, make sure the angle's right for this one, or crop this right here, or I'm, I gotta have, you know, the right hashtag, or the right song playing, or, you know, even within the platform, the right way to share it in the platform. Like, am I gonna share it, you know, as a post or do I wanna share it going live or, you know, like a lot of that, like in addition to the sadness that you mentioned, a lot of people are now feeling a lot of added anxiety around trying to either get likes or if they already started to get them on how to keep up with them. Cause now the thing is you can go viral and then that's like a taste of a drug. So once somebody gets that, they want that same feeling again. So that that's part of it too, for sure. There's a mental aspect to people's experience on these apps. May Mental Health Awareness Month. I wanted to acknowledge and support that. There's a lot of people, like for real, for like, there's a lot of people in the community, um, locally, nationally, across the country. There's a lot of people doing a lot of good things in the world of mental health, like a lot of mental health advocates, a lot of people experiencing mental health trauma, experiencing just different levels of mental health, being more open and just expressing how they're feeling, you know, friends that are now more comfortable just checking in with each other around their, their mental health and how that, like that's now becoming a more popular and a more regular part of people's interactions with each other and conversations with each other. So I do love that. I wanna give a salute to the mental health advocates and also to the people that are experiencing mental health and are battling through it and are brave enough to ask for help and find resources. Mm -hmm. So salutes to you all. This is it's extremely important. And even if you have to take a break from an app, that sometimes can be how, like huge, life-changing. Before we met, I had gotten rid of a lot of, um, I got rid of a lot of apps for my own mental health of just that same thing that you were talking about. Like the life that I was living wasn't what I was trying to keep up in <laughs> the life that I was trying to portray on social media and the life that I was living every day wasn't adding up. And it was causing me out of stress. So I had gone through a period where I deleted my Facebook. This might be my third Facebook account that I'm on right now. And now, you know, they have ways where you don't have to delete it permanently. You can deactivate it for a certain time period if that's what you need to just take a break. I know I've done fast from social media where once a month throughout the year, just for 30 days, I've just given up social media and just added that to a part of 
just other spiritual and religious prayers and like just gotten deeper into the word. And, you know, sometimes that's needed just because for all of the, you know, for all of the reasons that we just mentioned, like a lot of those things that go into it really do kind of, they, they, they can take away from that internal and natural level of appreciation and happiness, um, you know, if, if you let it, if, if you're not aware of it and not really keeping track of it. So huge, um, you know, mental, mental health, mental awareness, mental, and just, there's a spectrum of it. So you're not, everybody doesn't have the same level of what they're experiencing and we can both experience the same thing, but how we process it and handle it and deal with it are, could be different. It could be the same, but people, the way that we express it and share it and are able to communicate it is important. So being able to just have additional people that you can talk to help, and especially when it's real people in real life that you can have a conversation with and not necessarily just somebody on another side of an app. We hope that everyone's doing what they need to do to make sure that they're taking care of themselves, their families, their friends. May is the unofficial start of a new season where the weather is not quite as rainy. It starts to get sunnier and warmer. There might even be some summer-like days in May. So people are starting to be outside more, especially during the pandemic, where most people have been in the house. And so it almost feels like we're bears coming out of hibernation. It actually brings me full circle back to that comment that Swiss Beats made when he said people are just getting out of the matrix. And I don't know how people feel about the movie, The Matrix. Some people say there's some codes in that movie that have things relating to life in them or things that are on a higher level of knowledge in them. But the fact that he said that, I feel like there's a coalition between that matrix type of not knowing what's real, not knowing what's fake, and this is what's real, and this is a decision that people make to kind of get out of it. It's you have to you have to get out of it, and you might not be doing what's popular or what everyone else is doing, but there's a different connection and a different experience that you'll have once you're able to really get back to that place where, like you mentioned, where those aren't the, that's that this, this, this place that's not necessarily even real is not the center of your focus every day. So I, I just, when you said that, it just made me think about that, that comment that he made. We can get to the verses real quick with this one. I got three questions for you. Favorite song, favorite moment, aha moment, and your take on who won. I honestly don't know if I can pick a favorite song. There are a few songs 
that I like a few songs that were kind of just background noise. Some of my favorite moments were when Timbaland shouted out his family. He gave respect to his wife a couple times and to his children as well. They gave us two different types of performances. Swiss Beats is used to being not only a producer, but really a hype man. So he's used to being on the stage with like DMX, some of the other performances who he's um, created music for, and he's used to performing his own songs as well. Timbaland, anytime I've ever seen him on TV or on uh, a video, he is behind the boards and he's on the keyboard. Certainly a phenomenal producer as is Swiss Beats. So um, Timbaland even said it at the end. This took a lot out of him. He said pretty much, I gave you all energy and now I'm tired. So this was a little bit out of character for him. He did seem to be enjoying himself the whole time, big smile on his face all throughout. He didn't really have some of the dance moves and all the swag that Swiss Beast had. He was still cool, I still appreciated him. They had it in Miami, he came with his little Miami suit. <laughs> and he, he sweated it out really quickly. So, yeah. you know, I appreciate him coming and, and giving it his all. Um, even though this platform, the, the way that this music was presented isn't necessarily his forte. I think he would have been fine back there with the DJs, you know, pumping a little bit here and there on the boards and nodding his head. So he did a lot. Yeah, I did appreciate Timberland's energy and his effort so much. I thought that was great that he stepped out of himself so much to give the performance that he felt or that was, you know, on on the docket to, to give. So that was really great. Swiss Beats, he, first of all, he came out with an all white, what? Tom, Tom Ford. Tom Ford. So he, he also had the Miami flavor with the all white too. Cuban cigar he pulled out. He did. So that their looks were cool and the, the whole aesthetic was cool. I realized that they're good friends in real life. They went into this big partnership to put verses together. But Swiss was putting on the front throughout most of the versus battle that he was really, uh, that he had beef with Timbaland. He he tried to make it seem like there was some beef. Zone, zone, zone. Right. <laughs> so even though Timbaland would be bobbing his head and jumping and doing ad libs for some of Swiss's songs, every time one of Timbaland's songs came on, he just stood still. It had like a face on him, except for the Aaliyah songs. And then he kept reiterating to, to Timbaland all that he's here to, to bring it. He's gonna bring it. You know, you can't you, you can't match me. He just had so much um, ego, it seemed like on stage. So for me, that I mean, I know it wasn't. It was a little bit of a front. I think he felt that he was given a performance, and you know, certainly, you know, I'm sure there is certainly some competition between the two of them. Both great producers and they want to put their best foot forward but I don't think it was beef like that the way that uh, Swiss was pretending to be mm. so for me that took away from it I think he's trying to put on a show yeah because you know his ad lib showtime when the lights are on and when the audience is big he goes into that second like he says zone 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 for a reason the three zones represent three different parts of the persona and the individual the business partner. So I think he was in a different zone. He was showtime. It's Swiss beats. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's where he was at. He, he lost 
He wasn't in business mode, Swiss. He wasn't producer, Swiss. He just got into that New York monster. Just, I'm trying to tear something up. I'm here to battle and beef moment right there. So I didn't feel that energy coming from him, which he overdid because he didn't have to do that because we know they're business partners. So part of that felt like maybe it was a little bit of the drink because they were sipping Ciroc. Because he even mentioned that he was like, the drink starting to kick in. The suit came off, the shirt came out, the energy got different. Mm -hmm. So I think he got, he channeled his inner DMX for a little bit and got more aggressive. But then didn't really go back to the light. His energy was unexpected for me just because all throughout they've been, both been really complimentary of each other. Even when other artists have performed and they do their conversation about the performance afterwards. It's always like, yeah, my brother Tim, you know, Tim is a king. <laughs> um, and so it was just so weird and uh, like a little off-putting. I, I didn't want him to be like that. Um, it took away from the performance of some of his songs to me, just because Tim has such, you know, positive energy and he was he was doing more than what's normal for him. He was super genuinely. I mean, I'm sure they had a talk beforehand and and Swiss was like, hey, yo, Tim, hey, yo, my brother, you know, I'm gonna come off all aggressive. We gotta give the people a show, zone, zone, zone. <laughs> and so Tim was like, all right, man, I'm cool with that, brother, all right, king. So I hear, I could imagine them having that conversation, but still, I don't wanna see him <laughs> going on Timberland like that when Timberland was so lighthearted and positive. So that took away from the performances for me a lot. Then also, a lot of Timbaland songs are back then sort of classics. He had a lot of hits from like the 90s and Early earlier 2000s. 2000s. And then you were saying that Swiss sort of represents the now in more of his songs. I agree with that. I know that I love 90s R&B. Sing and rapping of the 90s and it's just my, the era where my heart is naturally since a lot of Timberland songs are sort of those hits are from a little bit further back. He was a little further up in my mind. But then also, to me, a lot of Swiss Beats songs, their anthems and they're great and they're high energy, a lot of them. But a lot of them sound similar. Each producer, they made beats for, a bunch of beats for certain artists. So Swiss made a bunch of beats for DMX and all those people in the Rough Riders camp. So each of those artists, they have a particular sound. So a lot of those beats, they had to to complement the sound and the flavor of that particular artist. So maybe that's why a lot of them, to me, sounded similar. Swiss beats has a signature sound. Mm -hmm. It's more aggressive. It's more, it's me, you know. I'm not gonna cuss. We have gotta protect the viewership mm -hmm. <laughs> and the monetization <laughs> potentially, but. Yeah, he has aggressive tones, he has aggressive ad-libs, just his energy is more New York, more aggressive. He's from, he said he's from the Bronx. That's definitely aggressive energy. Tim, VA, Southern Gentleman, I think that's more part of him. But I do think one thing that you said is Swiss Beats has a signature sound. And Timberland, to his credit, has diversified his work so much to the point where he doesn't really have a signature sound. Like, 
Timberland had signature instruments. You know the you know the drum. You know that bounce. Jay Z's popularized it a lot. I need that bounce. Bring that bounce back, man. But that bounce can go to different sounds. So you know it when you hear it in part of the song, but it's not the whole DNA of the song doesn't change and become a Timberland produced beat. He really gives people maybe a little direction. Like when Kanye was coming up and really trying to find his sound, Timberland gave him a whole bunch of sounds and just helped him and he, no charge. Same with J. Cole. So Timberland's been a big brother on that level with producers that have been coming up and trying to figure out you know, how do you get your drums like that or how do you get that bounce or how you, so that's something that does show up. But even his range, like you mentioned, R&B, Aaliyah, Genuine, Missy, he got some bangers. He has some radioactive material just from Genuine and Aaliyah, and that's 90s, that's classic. Those songs aren't going anywhere, mm -hmm. and you know it when you hear it, but it doesn't sound the same. You can hear right. 10 different songs, and there's something in there where it's like, okay, but then there's someone you're like, I didn't even know he had anything to do with that. There were none of those moments for me with Timberland when I heard a song of his and was like, oh, I didn't know he did that. Maybe just because I'm pretty familiar with this catalog and with the people that he's worked with. So, yeah, I didn't really have that moment with him. I did have that moment with Swiss Beats. The first song that Swiss Beats played, that Angie Stone banger, mm -hmm. I had no idea he did that. I felt the, it had more of an aggressive tone in it. That doom, 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 like, you can hear it in there, but... It shocked me a little bit that that was a Swiss beat song, but all of his other songs did not shock me. He had songs with Jay-Z. Timberland had songs with Jay-Z. The Timberland song sounded completely more like he made a song to fit Jay-Z. The Swiss song sounded like he made a Swiss beat beat and Jay-Z jumped on it. Mm -hmm. Same with Beyonce and Timberland and Beyonce and Swizz. The song for Beyonce that Timberland did sound like he made that beat for Beyonce. Mm -hmm. The song with Swizz sound like he made his beat and this is something that Beyonce wanted to get on. He has a very up-tempo, aggressive beat. So mm -hmm. that very much part of his, the aggression is part of Swizz beats. He had a, a battle that he did with Just Blaze maybe about four years ago. And I thought they were about to get in a fight. It was disrespectful. It was, that was disrespectful. That There was no way that some of the stuff that Swiss Beats was doing in there, I don't even think that him and Just Blaze could ever be friends again after some of the stuff that was done. So he has a very... He can be disrespectful. He can get in that bag. I do agree with you. The energy that Swiss Beats brings sometimes can get in the way of the other, the talent that he has. The energy, 
I like Timberland's energy at the beginning, but I did notice he was getting tired. So he couldn't keep that same energy at the end. He was drenched. He was, yeah, to just slow it down a little bit. But that energy that he came out with early, he was bringing it. I think song-wise, they both had a few fatal flaws. Timbaland's fatal flaw is almost that he can make anybody sound so good. That he can work with somebody and he'll find those things in that person to bring out. And because of his production, he can make anybody sound good. And he has some songs by some people that weren't really that memorable in the industry and didn't really have hits outside of his production that he played. So for me, I wouldn't call it the same level of hit. There's songs that he had production in that is Jay-Z, Aaliyah, Missy, Beyonce, right? Kanye, it's a different level. And then there's other artists that he played that it wasn't that same level. The person who I didn't mention that is on a level is Justin Timberlake, but I'm also giving him demerits for playing Justin Timberlake so much. He played at least three Justin Timberlake songs that I counted. And last time I checked, Justin Timberlake still wasn't cool in the black community. He didn't. He didn't get that pass back. So after the first song, Swiss told him, hey, you know, you know, we're not playing, you know, don't play, don't, you know, Justin Timberlake isn't, we're not playing that. People in the audience, he was telling them not to sing along to that. He did it again. Then it, the tone changed a little bit. Then it went from that to until he comes on this platform, we're not going to play it or we're not going to listen to it. And then he played it again. And then he was just like, he needs to apologize to black culture and claim black culture and say that he's with black culture before we. So he made three different statements about <laughs> Justin Timberlake, but that didn't stop Timberlake. Timberlake was still playing it and jamming. So for me, those were negatives. He lost every round where he played a Justin Timberlake song for me. He, he lost those rounds and he played other hits. I'm going to call the artist out. I don't care. Magoo, I know that's your boy, Timberland, but we weren't. We don't want to hear Timberland and Magoo. I know y'all had a moment. Nobody's heard of Magoo since. Tweet, I know that she's part of the camp, but hey, that wasn't, I, I wasn't feeling it. I haven't heard the Tweet song in years. Nelly Furtado. I'm sorry, I'm not a Nelly Furtado fan. I don't want to hear it. There's a few more of them. Those are just the ones that I heard. I'm like, why is he playing Nelly Furtado? Why is he playing Tweet? Why are we hearing Magoo? Why am I hearing Justin Timberlake? I had more of these why am I hearing moments when I was listening to Timberland's music. For Swizz, his fatal flaw is that he thinks his solo music is better than it is. So when he's playing his own stuff, He's in his zone, like, loving it, but it's not really that great. Like, his production is better for other people. He has a signature sound that is great and that other people want, and it brings them into his space. But his music that he made for himself wasn't that great. He had that song, Money in the Bank, 
chart-wise, categorically, all across. That that was his biggest hit that he made for himself. Unfortunately, that's not the only song of his own that he played that night. So when he <laughs> so when he played the other songs that had his verses on those songs, I didn't want to hear it. I want to hear the production that you put in for DMX, The Locks, Jay-Z, Nas, Beyonce, the list goes on. So I think that was his, my only, in addition to his energy at times, that the fatal flaw that he wanted to kind of push the music that he was on and jam into and being up front, a hype man for on some songs. Like we, didn't, we don't want to hear those songs. So all that put aside, performance, showmanship, I would have to give the Swiss. Well, I feel like the word showmanship is not only about performance, but it also implies charisma and how you're bringing the people around you in. His disposition blocks. So. So style, who are you giving? Swiss Beats was on point. Okay. Showmanship, performance, we're saying Timbaland. Yes. Okay. I'll agree to that. Hits. I'm saying Swiss Beats. You're saying... Before I answer, let me veggie back and maybe flip a little bit of your review of some of the hits that Timbaland played. Well, first you started off with saying that he's so great he can make anybody sound good. The verses, it was not between two rappers or two singers, it was between two producers. The thing that they created, that they brought to the table were the beats. But they are not the artists who sung or rapped to the beats. But the choice of who they give their beats to says a lot about them. So if you're continuing to give your beats to somebody that you believe in, that's maybe your man, but that person isn't who other people want to hear from, at some point, there's a disconnect. People wanted to hear from these people because they sold millions of gazillions of, <laughs> of singles or whatever. Those, all of those hits sold a lot. They were because the people wanted to hear from them. Tops some of, the of that, some of that is marketing. Some of that is alignment to super producers who made us buy into what they had. Certain people, once they didn't have, once they weren't standing next to that production, will never ever have another hit. So that says that, no, you get a demerit. I can't give that person a credit because yeah, they made this person sound good, but you could have given that to another person who was gonna really do something like if the production was so great, no matter who got it, they were gonna do something with it. So if that person to do something with it is someone who is actually here for the culture and making a contribution to the culture, I would respect that more than somebody who the stuff that they made wasn't even lyrics that were anything, like were, the lyrics weren't even contributing anything positive. Timberland, you have hits with, other artists that 
have actually made contributions to the culture that are more relevant than those. And not just to say they're not relevant, but if verse is about the relevance to the culture and you say you're like you're giving flowers, like people that have made a contribution to the culture are being celebrated. So if you're putting something together that's celebrating people that haven't made a contribution to the culture, it's kind of anti-versus. And even Swiss said a few times, like, I don't know why you just played that song right now. And I was thinking the same, Swiss Beats is his partner. And he said that to him, like, I don't know why you just played that right now. I was thinking the same thing. Like, I don't know why you just played that right now. Like I get, you know, Southern gentlemen loyalty, but that's not what this platform is about. So no, he doesn't get a pass just because it kind of rang off at some point. Like, that's, nah, that's not what Versus is about. Versus is about giving flowers to people that have made a contribution to the culture. That's literally, I'm, 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 I'm not reading this from there, but if they had a vision statement or a mission statement, it would say Versus is to celebrate people that have made a contribution to the culture. And that wasn't what Timberland was doing. He was actually celebrating people that hurt the culture or like, like even Swiss B said, like Justin Timberlake hasn't made contributions to the culture. He's taken from the culture more than he's given. So if you're continuously highlighting people that have done more against the culture than for it, you lose points. But I do want to say one thing. You mentioned the love that they were showing for their families. So I did just want to hop on that really quick. Just the current love and shout out for the children, for the family structure, for the support that the wives give them and just the way that their children are a part of what they do and the way that their wives are part of it do. That was really beautiful to see. That was a real full circle moment to end it on that way, talking about the love and just talking about the brotherhood that they have and just, you know, with everything that happens, still just being able to end it on that level with love and family. I really like seeing that. For me, Swiss Beats won. That's my, I got Swiss Beats. Who do you have? I have Timberland because his beats were better overall. So there it is. You have Timberland, I have Swiss Beats. As we mentioned in the last episode, let's see what you thought in the comments. If you want to add your reason on why you think they got it, feel free to add that as well. I feel like we've been more organically introducing segments that are really cool that I look forward to, at least, you know, th throughout the week. I feel like I'm always trying to see like, oh, okay, you know, what's something that's black love that we can talk about and highlight or what's something that's black excellence that we can talk about and highlight. We did start our episode a little different this time. And going forward, we are, um, we're going to continue to just jump into the episode. Previously, we were putting out a lot of offers to collaborate with other creatives, business owners, entrepreneurs, that time period for now is over. Reached the point where we have a list of people coming up. So mm -hmm. the next episode that you see from us after this episode, which will, um, yeah, it'll be in June. So starting in June, we will have some people that you'll have an opportunity to learn more about. People that 
you might not know their stories, but people who have stories that need to be shared and want, you know, that want to share more about what they're doing. So I guess a small sneak peek, some of these people are business owners as well. You know, some of these people are in industries where they're doing a lot of things and they're, whether it's locally in their city or virtually online that can just be something that people can learn more about, have questions. So I'm looking forward to that. Me too. We're scheduled for June. We're pretty much scheduled for July. I've been, I've been having a lot of people that have just organically, we've been connecting and actually mentioning those different communities, kind of meeting people in those different communities through Instagram and Clubhouse, really coming across other other people that want to learn more about what we do and also people that want to share more about what they do and just genuinely interested in networking and collaborating. So, you know, we love it and I'm sure that it'll be something that hopefully everyone that's watching loves as well. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Thank, Thank you for, for watching, watching and listening. listening. This has been episode nine of the Ali Family Podcast. Stay blessed.